Welcome, Welcome to the to horror. The, oh, oh, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russell Sharman, e- and I love horror. Damn it, I'm Owen Edgerton, and Russell is wrong. <laughs> that was clean. That was good. That was good. You want to do it again? No. All right. Okay. Um, so today, we're talking about a movie I really, really thought I'd like. Oh, my God. The Descent. We are talking about The Descent a British-made 2005 adventure horror film. It was uh, directed and written by Neil Marshall. An incredible story about a group of uh, women who, uh, some of them know each other, some of them don't, some of them with secrets, some of them with grief, who descend into a cave thought to be unexplored. And what they discover there is something is dwelling. And what they find as they dive deeper into the caverns of our own planet, that they are also diving into the caverns of their own relationships. Are they? Is that what they're doing? It's an incredible claustrophobic (laughs) film that terrified millions. And is actually, for for, for a lot of people, is just one of the more appreciated modern horror movies, especially with uh, action sort of added in there. Even Stephen King praises it in uh in uh, an essay what's scary so i don't know it's just brilliant and i think it's one of those things that people will know who you are like are you a good person or not depending on your opinion on it so russell what did you think of it <laughs> well you know like i said i i really thought i was gonna this was gonna be like martyrs but better like i thought i was gonna really struggle with with a more modern horror film a more modern entry into the genre yeah. Um, because I couldn't, you know, critique so much the, the sort of seventies, eighties production value. Right. Uh, and it would have sort of gotten, gotten past the tropes and, and into some, maybe some more interesting psychological territory. Uh, I was disappointed. I have what? To I, oh my God. And of course I knew this because you wrote me really rude texts <laughs> after watching it. I was expecting, I was really, it was like, this is going to be great. Cause I, I knew you, of course you liked shining the exorcist. I, I get it. And this one, I was like, ah, this is going to get him. This is a scary movie. It's scary movie. It's beautifully shot. It's wonderfully acted. Uh, it's it's tight. Um, it, it's wild. It's got... You know, I think I missed a lot of the frightening parts mm-hmm. because my eyes were rolling so hard <laughs> at the story and the conceit of the story that I didn't notice. That's didn't notice the, the conceit of the story. Okay, well, let's... <sighs> Let's dive right in there. Okay, the conceit of the story basically is for spoilers for anyone. <laughs> but I, I think if you've seen the trailer, you might get this: that this collection of women who are going down into this cave, these adventurers, uh, and they find um, that they're inhabited by what Neil Marshall described as basically cavemen who never left the cave. This other species, a sort of humanoid species that feeds on humans and maybe comes up every now and then and grabs something but they just live underground they're blind but they feed on on humans and uh and where is this set owen <laughs> like in, in North, i think it's meant to be, actually it's meant to be in north carolina isn't it the chattanooga national forest or something it's a fake national that's right forest, that's but, right yeah yeah um but see this is i mean already i'm i'm a little <laughs> I'm a little off, but I mean, I get willing suspension of disbelief. It's just that I couldn't get past this idea of cave people in in Tennessee. 
in Appalachia. Wait, that's your issue? Your it's issue one is... of many. It's either a fundamental misunderstanding of human population movement or worse, a grotesque understanding of human evolution and how evolution works. Oh my. Which just left me feeling like it was just dumb. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? That's really your issue? It, it's one issue. <laughs> we could talk about the other issues, but it it's an important issue for me because the movie seems to take so seriously this idea that this is grounded in some kind of reality. If this, you know, honestly, when I read the whatever, the summary of the movie, I thought, okay, we're going to like get into like, these are demons coming up from hell or something like that. And that, which would, that would have been better for you. Oh, that would totally have been more... would have been better. Yes. What? <laughs> because okay. then at least I know you're embracing the logic of a, of a world I can get my head around. But if you're telling me this is grounded in our world and these are like some weird offshoot of human evolution, it just doesn't compute. I, you know, I, I have a hard time. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm glad you like the last uh, Marvel movie, but I just don't believe in Hawkman. <laughs> but here's the thing. Marvel, the Marvel movies exist in a world in which superheroes are a thing. Like that makes sense. And this movie exists in a world where cave-dwelling humanoid monsters exist. That's that is the premise. Your argument's ridiculous. No, the movie is ridiculous. I couldn't get past what, to me, it totally undermined my faith in the intelligence of the filmmakers, which I have to say, they don't even show up for like the first hour. So I didn't even really have this problem until an hour in. So my issues with the movie predate this bizarre uh, insistence that uh, there was some branch of human evolution that happened in Chattanooga. Well, all right. How about this? We are we are constantly discovering that there were uh, more off branches um, than than we previously thought earlier in the human evolutionary story. Uh, in all these different places, we're like, oh, how about that? There was an isolated group on this island that we didn't know about. Oh my goodness, look at this uh, toe that we found. We didn't realize that these were uh, uh, co-evolving at the early stages of Homo sapiens. Couldn't we just say that this was one of them? Nope. <laughs> Sorry, it's the anthropologist in me. Um, you know that. Okay, but no. Oh my god! I thought you were gonna say I. I wish they like there were no monsters. It was just no. In fact, figment. Be, to the to my point about them coming so late is that so for the first yeah. forty five minutes or an hour, I don't remember the exact minute they show up, but no, you're yeah yeah. Uh, it felt like. One of those, you know, oh, we're trapped in a cave. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that's a whole subgenre. It's not as though there are hundreds of those movies. But it did feel a little tiresome. It felt... Did it? Yeah, it just felt like, oh, I think, I've, I feel like I've seen this before of people, you know, oh, no, we're never going to get out of here. But each of us will show our true colors when faced with this great adversity and maybe one or two will survive. And then let's throw some monsters in at the end. You know, uh, if we didn't have the monsters, I would have been bored. Throw in the monsters... You're throwing in a layer of the genre that I don't like in the first place. I don't like the jump scares. I don't like the eating intestines out of someone's stomach. Like that doesn't get me going. So you're you're putting a hat on a hat on a on a dummy I don't like. <laughs> okay, um, that's a lot of hats. Exactly. On a dummy. That's exactly how I felt. Yes. All right, Doctor Sharman. What else? Um, okay. So uh, there there was. Again, I had an open mind going into this. Okay. Yes. And yes. The the first several minutes, uh, I, I was I was on the ride 
literally and metaphorically. You know, we get that nice sort of white water rafting uh, sequence, and and then there's yeah, this... and then an incredible first scare, right? Oh well, uh, let me save that for later because okay. because yeah, the okay. the the car accident um, was arresting and I kind of saw it coming like you I mean literally saw it, you could see it coming but um right I kind of felt I and and in that sense the filmmaker was doing a job a good job of of creating a sense of of dread that like yep like this is this is not just going to be a, a boring car ride so 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 far so good although I will say there was a little bit of drama between the whitewater rafting and the car ride that already started making me nervous in the sense of the way it lingered on characters and really made sure you were registering the expressions on their faces that just felt a little pretentious. And then that, and maybe that just poisoned the well for me, but that seemed to get worse and worse and worse as the film went on. Of, hmm. of what I felt was a kind of pretentiousness to the filmmaking, whether it was lingering on the cow skulls on the cabin or the 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 various cuts that they would do from screaming with the shower water to checking your teeth in the mirror there was just something about it that just felt like i i, I didn't feel like i was in good hands and i that's interesting I can't quite put my finger on it but i'm trying to with these little examples but it was an overall feeling of ah, i'm not so sure about this filmmaker that's interesting. Okay, um, that is actually, I mean, the, you know, the editor, I think he did a pretty wonderful job. If I'm right, I want to go dip back and check this, but I think the editor is the one who ended up directing the sequel. I should check that. But there's a lot in this movie that I credit to really excellent editing. And and some of those moments, I, I hear what you're talking about, but I mean, this is maybe just a question of taste. Like, I, I think those moments really work and those, those cuts really work. Horror does have often a bit of a a melodramatic aspect yes. that I enjoy. Yes. Yeah, I think that is exactly right. And I think that's what I'm picking up on here. And and I recognize even in those moments, oh, that's a horror movie thing. Yeah. To linger on that skull, uh, the, the cow skull hanging on a cabin. That's not in, in fact, it's not in fact ominous or scary, but by, by lingering on it, we're supposed, we're supposed to feel as though it is uh, a kind of portent of things to come. Uh, or the the sort of almost Hitchcockian cut from the scream to the mouth open wide in the mirror, mm-hmm. uh, like I get those are are kind of horror tropes in a way. They're both yeah. It, it also, in terms of the melodrama of the acting, I understand that the the women in the cabin all like reuniting and the inside jokes and everyone just laughing a little too hard and being just a little too happy to see each other. I understand is part of, in some ways, the genre. And it's exactly that, that I'm just like, ah, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. Well, that might be, I mean, so these people are experiencing joy, which is something, I don't know <laughs> if you've experienced. No, it's actors indicating joy. It's not people <laughs> experiencing joy. And that to me is the problem. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So. You, you, you're not you're not buying the acting. You're not. You're, oh goodness gracious! Okay, well let's just start at the beginning. The beginning opens up with the characters, uh, or at least some of the characters, uh, are are uh, our main three women, I suppose, um, and they are white rafting, white water rafting. Uh, it's an, really cool. It's really well filmed shot. 
uh, sequence, that is. And and we have those lingering shots. They're pretty essential to one of the secrets that there's a, there's an affair happening between our main hero's best friend and her husband. I would take issue with how essential that is. I, I know it's essential in the filmmaker's mind. Uh, I didn't find it essential for the way the story plays out necessarily. And that's okay. totally subjective. I, I understood what the looks meant, or at least I, I thought I understood. Okay, maybe there's... At first I thought, oh, he's married to Juno. Is that the uh, character's name? The Yeah, you think that he's married to Juno? Right. At first I thought, oh, well, he's helping her out of the water. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe he overplayed his hand there as a mm-hmm. filmmaker. Um, so I definitely caught that. Though even towards the end, I wasn't entirely entirely sure were they having an affair was that what is that what's implied here um so i i know it's kind of essential for the filmmaker to justify some of the action that takes place later but it was both overplayed and underplayed in a weird way for me and maybe that's because honestly by that point i was already not sure i trusted the filmmaker so i wasn't sure if i should trust his tipping his hat i didn't know if it was a mistake or good filmmaking (laughs) Which which part was it? The like things like indicating that they're having an affair, that he's cheating on Sarah with Juno. I wasn't sure. It's pretty just... freaking clear. Come on, the pendant, and no, the pendant. I still didn't get. Like even in the towards the end when she, the pendant changes hands like three times and she wipes the blood off and it's got some saying on it. I'm like, am I supposed to know what that saying means? Was that from before? Yeah. I couldn't remember. She mentions it's something my husband always says. Yeah, I did to I... me. Is lost on me. Were you watching this? I did. And I drunk? didn't even take Were a you break. Drunk? I watched it straight. I should have been. I might have enjoyed oh. it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I think part of, and this is a bigger issue I have with the movie, is that I, part of my problem is that the movie was trying to do things emotionally that by the time we get to the end, I did not give a shit. And that's mm. probably why. I was like, oh, we're, I don't know. Is that supposed to, am I supposed to know what that means? I don't care. So it might have just been I had already checked out and just didn't give a shit about the relationships because I didn't believe any of them. So I wasn't paying attention too much. Okay, so with the three main characters that we have, Sarah, Juno, and Beth. Uh, and and there's, a, there's other women uh, characters, of course, as well, who are joining them in the whole. Each of them have a, a sort of mini arc, in a sense. Uh, there's sort of the the badass uh, young adventurer who moves too fast and ends up breaking her leg and maybe, uh, although seemingly the most uh, skilled, is unprepared emotionally for the situation. But Juno has this incredible uh, story, I think incredible, where she's just a badass. She's fighting off these crawlers and doing all kinds of cool stuff and then swings around as they're... And... and, and accidentally stabs Beth in the neck. Which was a great, that was a great scene. It was a great And shot. is unable to stay with her and is, is like abandons her. So for all her bravery and for all her physical and adventurous skill is unable to be there in the face of her mistake and really be there for her friend. That's a terrifying moment. It was. It was, I agree. It was very well shot. I mean, I kind of sort of saw it coming. It felt, I, as you, the camera sort of pushes in on Juno uh, from a point of view of someone coming up to her, I, I, I sort of foresaw, oh, this is going to be a switcheroo. And it was, but it still was affecting. It still was like, oh, shit. 
Yeah. Um, and it was beautifully played between right. the two actors. Um, yes. Overall, I thought that was really effective. And I thought the writing was pretty good. Like later when she mentions Beth, she doesn't say they got her too. She says Beth didn't make it. Right. Or something like that that sort of was neutral without admitting what she did. So that I thought that was all relatively well written and well played. And it parallels the situation with her and Sarah's husband that she's like, again, she's like, I'm, I'm going to be a close friend for you. I'm, I want to be there for you, but I'm unable. I'm going to back away in the face of trauma, especially when it involves my mistake. Like I left when uh, you're, you were in the hospital right after your husband and, and kid died. I, I, I got out of there. And then we see Sarah who's put in the most weirdly courageous act when she discovers a dying Beth and Beth says, you know, kill me. I need you to murder me because I don't want these things to get me. And, and Sarah, who, who seems maybe not as skilled as, as some of the others and not as emotionally uh, able to go through this horrible situation is put to the test in every kind of way. And in an act of mercy, murders her friend. That wasn't horrifying and Beautiful. Yeah. It, yes. Both of those things. Yes. I could. I understood why why they should be moving. <laughs> so you. <laughs> so yeah, because you you said you get to the point like uh, with Sarah's story um, that you you were not moved by Sarah's journey or even Juno's journey. Definitely not Juno's. But I I. And Sarah to me was the 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 most compelling story. Obviously, yeah, I mean she's yeah. sort of the main. I mean, she is the main character, in and a sense. and it, we are in her head. Uh, you know, sure. we go to these other stories, but it's it's her uh, it's her flashbacks that we're having, and and we'll talk about the ending in a little bit. But yeah, right. it's definitely we're in her head. Even so much so that she's the first one to see evidence of these crawlers, and the other ones are like, oh, this is just a manifestation of your grief and panic for being trapped down here. A, right. a mistake, by the way, which is also due to Juno, of like, I, I keep doing things in, it, it, maybe even with the best intentions that fuck up the lives of the people I love. I'm going to lead you into this tunnel and we'll be able to name it after ourselves or, or claim it at least. Right. Which I have to say, that was another, I bumped against that in that moment, uh, just sort of feeling like I under, I felt like that was a screenplay contrivance that they, he needed to get them down there and and generate conflict it just seemed to me that that's something juno would have said hey guys let's let's do this she wouldn't have tricked them into it she would have she would have bullied them into it maybe but not tricked them into it that just seemed weird to me okay okay i mean you know i, I know a lot of splunkers and they do this shit all the time <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely the kind of shit that spelunkers pull maybe so it's a subculture <laughs> i am not as familiar with as oh yeah, yeah you are Oh, man. I'll take your word for it. If you take my word for it, that's not how evolution works. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though. Uh, Splunkers don't bully each other because they hate to see someone cave in. Because <laughs> you don't want to be left in the dark. Um, I'm just going to keep digging that hole. So uh, I do think Sarah, who are the, the actor who plays Sarah, that was both the most... Interesting storyline. Obviously, it should have been, uh, but I also think the the most affecting performance. So, so I I believed Sarah um, more than I believed the other actors playing their characters. Um, Sean McDonald. It, 
Yeah, Shauna McDonald is who play played her, and she's pretty great. Yeah. So let let's go through. So so they enter in. There's a beautiful shot of of the women lowering themselves into the tunnel. Whoa, so beautifully filmed. And then we're we're inside the tunnel. I actually I so applaud the way this film is not only shot but actually where it's lit. They did a beautiful job of allowing darkness to do so much. Uh, it was made with, I forget, but not a lot of different setups that they used to do all the inside caves. Those are all done um, with just moving around different setups and refilming and everything. And they basically were like, let's use as few lights as we can uh, in these situations so that basically so much of their darkness, it's sort of the, the screen disappears into blackness. So there's a claustrophobic feel really early on. And it's, it's sort of two different claustrophobic feels. One is the feel of being in this cave, a cave where no one knows they're there and is unexplored. And then they're trapped, right? You know, as the cave starts to collapse behind them and they have to they don't know if they're going to find a way out but two that we're inside i guess three actually the second one being that we're inside this group that is starting to turn on themselves starting to not trust one another and and three we're inside this woman's head who is still so mentally shaken by the uh catastrophe that she experienced that that her own head is a, a claustrophobic uh maze that's scary to me. And that that all happens before we see the monsters. Yeah, I didn't get the third one so much. I mean, I understood her trauma, but I didn't get the sense that she was sort of trapped in her own mind. I mean, she would have these dreams, but anyone would who went through something like that. That's what I mean. I mean, that she's like, she's unable to escape that those dreams, unable to escape her grief. That no matter where she turns, I mean, for example... In the early party, when she's hanging out with the friends, something comes up where she's like, oh, and she mentions something about her family. And it's like, oh, yeah, that almost like you can imagine that in the same way that you're, you know, wandering around a maze and you keep coming to the same spot. No, even if you were walking in the opposite direction, that's her and her grief that it, although she's like trying to walk away from her grief to her friends in a different part of the world and a new adventure, no matter where she turns, there's her grief she's the right, you know, slamming in her, in her face, or she's slamming right into it like a wall. Yeah, and again, I I understand that as a screenplay point, but I didn't. But you feel it I, so as I, strongly I, as you. Are. In fact, there's a that moment you're talking about in the early scene where there the women are on a cabin and they're talking, and one of them, I think it was Holly, says something like, "You know, if I want to have kids someday." That's it. Yeah. And 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 this is one of the actually the false notes I felt from Shauna McDonald as an actor was this sort of look of, oh, yeah, my kid's dead. That's what it felt like to me. It felt melodramatic. It didn't feel grounded in a kind of uh, inescapable trauma. In fact, on the drive with Beth, when Beth is trying to say, hey, you know, we don't even have to go. We could bail. Um, I, I kind of expected Sarah to be more broken than she was in that moment. Now, trauma's weird, it's complicated, and I, I won't, uh, I wouldn't argue certainly if, if Shauna McDonald were here saying, no, I did all this research and this is, you know, trauma rears its ugly head and otherwise you can look okay. And I get all of that, but there was just something about the way it played that it didn't seem, sometimes it felt like it was constricting and sometimes it felt absent. Mm, okay. All right. Well, um, let's go continue with that. I mean, this sort of feeds into uh, her own mental state, right? So there's two different endings for this film. Uh, there is the uh, the American ending or the U.S. ending and the U.K. ending. Uh, which one did you watch? 
Well, I watched the the only one available to me on iTunes was the U.S. ending, but I did see the U.K. and I think it was the U.K. ending on YouTube. I saw the 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 last you know minute. Okay, yeah. So basically, the the big difference is that yeah, the last minute and the U.S. ending. Spoilers for everyone who who uh, live in the U.S. and haven't seen. I don't know. Spoilers for people no matter where you live. The U.S. ending ends with basically uh, Sarah. Um, <laughs> basically cripples Juno with a stab in the leg after, and then just basically leaving her to die. Um, and then races out, uh, falls through another hole on a big pile of bones, but then finds a way out of the cave races to her car is driving away, crying, pulls over and there's Juno bloodied haunting her. Ah, the end. But the UK thing ends with her from that moment waking up and she's still on the pile of bones. Her entire escape has been a figment of her imagination or a dream. But then she looks and she sees her little daughter in front of her, the candle, the cake that she's seen before between them. And she's lit by this candle and the camera just zooms back and we see that Sarah is nowhere near escaping she's deep in the bowels of this cavern alone with her hallucination of her dead child as we see crawlers are slowly approaching (laughs) i love the uk ending uh you know i sure i feel like the uk ending is definitely uh more in keeping with what i think the filmmaker wants the movie to be uh, in terms of the the haunting of her own mind being trapped there, like I I I like your interpretation of the movie. It just yeah. wasn't the movie I saw. It wasn't how I saw the movie. I would have loved to go further into how much of this is real, how much of what she's seeing. Do we doubt her that these creatures are real? Of course, you have to dispense with that pretty quickly if you want the gore of these creatures, you know, eating people's intestines. So. You kind of can't have it both ways, I guess. But I would have liked a more ambiguous sort of, is she trapped in her own mind? Uh, but still, either way, I, I do agree. I think the UK ending is more honest, more embracing the the sort of darkness yeah. of the theme. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's a little hard to forgive, like... Once Sarah kills Juno in that way, and I think although Juno's done some really questionable things, like ooh, that's that's pretty harsh. Yeah, I agree. No, it was that was hard for me. I I lost a lot of sympathy for Sarah when she did that. Even though, yes, Juno deserved it, quote unquote. uh, Right, deserved that. But uh, but it it felt like the the movie was was all leaning so hard into the idea that Juno and Sarah are almost two sides of the same coin. Sarah being the, 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 the right, the correct choices uh, and Juno being the wrong choices. It it seemed like it would have been more satisfying to see Sarah uh, make the right choice even then and show grace. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, I hear you. It it might've been, I mean, like, but there is something kind of like, fuck no, I'm done. But it also is one of those things of like, does it make it, I mean, this is the, the sort of moral seesaw of a film like this. Like, it, we, when she does that, do we feel okay about her, her escaping or not? <laughs> That's sort of the question. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question too, because as she comes out of the, the earth's womb, so to speak. Yeah, totally, shot, a, totally a birth sequence. Uh, and she's running through the forest. There was a part of me and it probably was 
this 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 lingering sense of oh you had me until you cobbled your friend so she could be eaten alive um it sort of reminded me of that old you know uh two people in the woods in a bear attacks you know i don't have to be faster than the bear i just have to be faster than you <laughs> yes so, so it made it made her sort of running through the woods less triumphant and more i don't know how i feel and that's right. good. that's good i, I mean I, I i like it when a film can make me uh, feel uneasy, even in a moment that is supposed to feel victorious. I will say too, uh, I was sort of dreading in the worst way that w one of these crawlers was going to be in the back seat or something. I kind of was prepared for the filmmaker to give us that and it was going to really piss me off. So I'm glad that he didn't do mm, that. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you, you, you don't like the monsters. Now for me, this movie is very scary. It's super fun. It's a really fun, cool, great ride. It's thrilling, but it's so scary. And and this was I, like it, the the use of the camera, the 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 sort of found footage aspect of it uh, worked really well. Um, the the sort of obscured shots of the crawlers was really scary. Did that? Did did were you scared? And if so, how do you feel about being scared in those situations? Uh, yes. No, it was definitely scary in the sense of, Woo damn it, I know there's like this Nosferatu creature around the corner and they are capable of, you know, biting someone's trachea out. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to be scared and I don't like being scared. And I'm, when I say that, I mean frightened. I mean startled. Uh, something's going to jump out at me and that is not a feeling I enjoy. Yes, you, you don't enjoy this. You don't enjoy. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but not only do you not enjoy being startled, but you don't enjoy the realization that you're in a situation where at any moment you're going to be startled. The apprehension that you're going to be startled. Correct. Yes, yes I do not enjoy that. And, and which I, is a key part of this movie and all horror movies. This is why we have a fucking podcast. <laughs> The part that you don't seem to understand. Not, I get it now. I get it. I was. I. I, I tell you, I was, I was on this panel at AFF uh, with Akila Cooper, who's a really cool writer. She's writing uh, the sequel to The Nun, and uh, and actually was one of the writers on Hellfest, which came out right when Bloodfest came out. So we did a little arm Awkward. wrestling. Awkward. Um, but uh, she, but I told her it's okay because I'm writing uh, the nunnery too, uh, with Whoopi Goldberg returning. Uh, and she told me she was going to write Mercy White. So we had, a, <laughs> but, but I was big crowd and we're talking all about horror and the horror community. And I said, I only just realized that some people really don't like horror. Like they mean it. They don't like that sensation of being startled or scared. And I mentioned you by name and everyone just laughed at you. <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to it. Um, so, so yes, it was scary in that sense. I wasn't existentially terrified. It wasn't a sense of of dread, like oh my gosh, what's going to happen? In that sense, um, the, in the same way that I might be with um, even a movie like The Shining, if I could somehow re-experience that for the first time, mm -hmm. or or even a movie if I could go back to my childhood watching these kinds of movies where there was that more sort of existential dread. And in part, it's for all the reasons that I've mentioned, even if you don't agree, like from the very beginning, what I perceived as a certain melodrama, a certain pretension with the camera. And we should talk about that, uh, especially later in the film uh, that. And then, of course, the 
the the sense of this grounded notion of these cave people that I was already over it. I was already annoyed by the movie. So by <gasps> that point, all the monsters were were just like more annoyances. Uh, they weren't creating a sense of ghoulish dread. Like if, and again, whatever. It's not my movie. I didn't make it. But if if I thought these were somehow demons coming up out of hell, and in the world of this movie there was a real hell and a Satan and all that. Uh, I wouldn't have liked it necessarily because I don't like being scared, but I think I would have been more existentially terrified. As it was, I was like, this is dumb. I do not buy this. It makes me mad as a scientist. <laughs> I think it's dumb. Oh, yeah, and also I'm being startled. Okay, wow. All right, okay. So let's talk about this uh, pretentious uh, shots that you didn't like. It's funny because for me, pretension is your bread and butter. I So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I don't like seeing it in others. You know, it's like what you hate about yourself. You <laughs> criticize in others. Um, yeah, no, I just feel like, especially in the second half, once we get into, uh, you know, once we start using the the, the picks yeah. as weapons, it turns into this, and I, I, I trolled you on, on text messages about this, yeah. but the, it was like, did Michael Bay run the second unit on this thing with these like low angle slow tracking shots with the perfect lighting and the blood and gore glistening on their skin. It just was these glamour shots that just felt gratuitous and to me pretentious and were not helping the cause of the film. Hmm. <laughs> I got, I got nothing. Well, like there's a scene in particular of when Sarah and Juno square off. Yes. Right before she kills her. Yeah. Or I should say hobbles her. Yeah. There's this lingering like shot reverse shot of them. Yeah. Where, and, and often like you'll get like this close up on Sarah where there's just a shaft of light across her eyes. And you could just feel the how long it took for that setup. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In, in a moment which should feel like we're rushing toward the end. I felt like it was the filmmaker saying, ooh, look what I can do with this lighting and this camera that totally took me out of it. It, hmm. it didn't feel organic to the moment. It didn't feel like it was serving the story. It felt like it was serving the reel of the cinematographer more than the narrative that I was supposedly supposed to be on board for. That's really interesting. Okay, and I, I understand that some of the shots you're talking about, and there's definitely a, a few of those, specifically with with Sarah, as she's got some of, kind of her more badass, like this sort of like, you know, she'll turn around and face the camera and she's pulling out her, you know, her pick as a weapon. And Juno gets a bunch because Juno's yes. a, 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 the badass. And like, so... And don't get me wrong. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Like, beautifully done. Incredibly well-crafted. I just didn't feel like they belonged in this movie. Well, I, that's a great question. I For me, I love those. For for me, one of the things I love about this movie is it is, it, it does have this sort of... Uh, uh, gritty gore and everything, but it has some real fun, cool shots. Um, and and again, though, I I'm okay with the melodrama, um, which also actually is one of the reasons I like the ending. Like the ending is got sort of a, a melodramatic aspect to it. I mean, the, if if you're sort of pitching, <laughs> if you're pitching at the very end, she's sitting, her face f lit by the flickering candle of her dead child's birthday cake. Like there is a certain like well, okay that's that's a little artsy, um, uh, but but I love it I love I mean I love it visually, as well as 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 thematically. Um, right, I agree. And and anyone who you know in the meetings who decided that they wanted to lop that off, 
to make the movie quote unquote less dark. Yeah. Well, then it's a horror movie. What? Why? Why is there even a line that you're drawing in the sand about what's dark? Which, in some ways, is what I appreciate about European filmmakers like those behind Martyrs. Even though that movie, you know, to me, it's questionable whether that should have ever been put to screen. And we've already talked about it. I at least admire their commitment to the the theme, the idea that they were pursuing. And it, I, I, I. I I agree with you in the sense that I feel like uh, sometimes the powers that be who are looking to make a buck on these things underestimate, or maybe they estimate perfectly, uh, what an American audience is willing to sit through. But I kind of feel like if you pay your your twelve bucks to see something like this, then you know you got to eat the whole meal. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I really would like to actually do. I think. Uh, I wonder why I'd like to do more research. I read somewhere about the ending and why it was shot that way or why it was uh, switched that way. And I'd like to kind of kind of find out why it was. I I actually don't agree with you on uh, where's that line in in the dirt uh, or the sand for uh, how dark a film could be. There are films that I've really, really enjoyed, but they've made a decision sometimes at the very ending. I was like, you know, that that doesn't fit. Uh, it, sometimes like a movie can feel like, Hey, spread your legs. Ha ha. I kicked you in the balls. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know, one of them, this is a movie I, I'm not going to make you see, but it's a really cool film, uh, was the mist based on a Stephen King, uh, short story. And the mist is all about basically, uh, a mist <laughs> that, uh, engulfs this, small New England town and coming out of the mist are these crazy Lovecraftian tentacled creatures. Um, and, and it's a really cool story. And then at the very end, um, I think I've mentioned this maybe to you before, Russell, but at the very end, we have our hero, his young son, and two other people have escaped to this car and they're going to get out of there. They're going to drive to safety, but hours and hours are going by. They're running out of gas and they've come to cross nothing but more mist and more of these creatures. There is no escape. They're going to die a horrible death. He has a gun with him. He looks to his friend. His friend gives him the nod. And then we go to this wide shot of the car and we just see in the mist these three flashes and boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, oh, spoiler, by the way. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh my God, this man has killed the people he cares for most, including his own child to, to escape the horror. And he goes back to him and he's about to kill himself when you hear this and a tank comes by and then a truck and it's the army. And like, don't worry, we're clearing out the mist. Everything's going to be okay. If you had waited three more minutes, <laughs> your son would be alive now. Like it's and it's too dark. It's too dark for the the rest of the what feels like a really fun adventurous horror movie. Um, and so I I think there is a line. I think movies can go too dark. I think I think horror. Well, movie- and and to your point, maybe maybe in a movie like The Descent, which and maybe partly my struggle with this movie. And again, I went into it with with really oh and really open mind, kind of expecting to like it, but uh, but obviously didn't very much. Um, but it's it's a horror movie, but it's also playing on some of the tropes of the action adventure movie. Oh, totally. Of of overcoming these sort of odds. There's like Temple of Doom going on in here. There's there's this sort of adventure thing happening. Um, what is normally the and we should talk about this a little bit. I think normally the the purview of a kind of male driven action movie 
the fact that it's female driven is interesting, mm-hmm. though I couldn't help feeling like it was also kind of a gimmick more than than uh, an honest sort of female driven story. But Just more what? On a second. what? More, more on that in a second. Um, but uh, to your point, then the idea of Sarah getting away and maybe, yes, haunted by the trauma of what she's done back in the cave and maybe will be for the rest of her life is enough darkness um, you know, maybe we do need to see going again, sort of consummating the tropes of of the action adventure, where you do sort of see someone survive. Um, not unlike the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for that matter. Yep, yep. Um, knowing that it's going to be, you know, not smooth sailing for this person. Yep. Uh, after going through all that, but but there's some sense of victory. I I could see, I could see the logic of that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I can too. I can too. All right. So tell me, because you know we. I, Without going for too long, um, w- you don't like that it's an all-female cast. What? Now, come on. No, that's it's not okay. What I said. H- how's, that's not what I said. Uh, what, what I mean by your, that is— How's your other podcast, Not Woke and Never Will Be? Uh, is that is that doing pretty well? Well, okay, but to your to, to that point, <laughs> is it is it woke if just because you put women in front of the camera, but there aren't women behind the camera? In the sense that—so you've got—and this is tricky, and, and I don't have a fully formed idea— but obviously, it's it's written and directed by a male director. Yeah, uh, that that feels like a movie that in any other situation would have been an all male cast, and God knows we have enough of those. So mm-hmm. I'm all for creating at least some gender diversity in in not just this genre, but any genre that deals with these kinds of. Uh, action adventure take charge violence you know like all that um and i think the the few versions of those we've seen in the past have been have been refreshing so that's all good but i a couldn't and this is my own shit i realize that and i also realize that as a white male writer playwright filmmaker i'm i have the same problems uh, the same challenges right i i want to bring more voices to the table in terms of the stories that I'm telling, but I have a certain positionality that not only limits my experience, but not my imagination, mm-hmm. but it also means that I'm I'm inevitably framing the experience for others by the nature of my identity. So I couldn't shake the the name on the marquee okay. as I was watching it. And I kept thinking about a man writing these women roles, um, for better or worse. All the caveats I've just suggested, I recognize it's complicated. Okay. Uh, but I, I couldn't shake that. And and this is why I may be wrong here. I may be not giving it a fair shake. And I certainly wouldn't want someone to, to apply the same criticism to my own work when I do write women or people of color. Um, but the women felt thinly drawn to me. And I can't tell if that was because they were or because I had that hang up. Uh, about who was behind the camera. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying there. Um, I, I hear it like a, I would a mosquito buzzing in my ear when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, originally, from what I read, originally the cast was uh, male and female. Um, I, I think probably a lot of the characters were the same, but they just were male and female. And at some point during pre-production or some point early on, they said, you know, we don't see enough films where it's an all-female cast. And they leaned into that, which I suppose could either be called either a stunt 
or a, a cool move. I mean, or both, you know, <laughs> depending how you look at it. Um, and the idea, I, I hear all your caveats, so it's hard because I would just argue by your caveats. Like, yeah, you're right. There's it's 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 complicated when when a man writes for a woman. And and what are you gonna do? <laughs> the, the answer is not. Well, and I understand the argue, The counter argument is. Well, if we only ever wrote out of our own experience, we'd just make a bunch of, you know, Spalding Gray monologues. Like, that, right. that doesn't make sense. And, and in all actuality, that. we that's what we've had so much. We've really had so many. I mean, the heroes of so many of our movies have been exactly paralleled with the person behind the camera of like, oh, it's another white man. It's another and usually a white heterosexual man. So I don't know. I, good on him. Good on him for making an all-female cast for a couple of reasons. One, well, maybe he could have uh, hired a female director and stepped out of the way. What? Why? Why would he do? He's. This is his career. This is his job. I get that. So but- so, but but this is. I mean, I'm serious about this. Like, he's a businessman, career filmmaker, right? So he's a filmmaker, and he's like, all right, I want to do a film. Uh, I'm excited about it. Oh, look, here's a cool idea. I'm gonna have an all female cast as well. Now, the thing, the film is not necessarily about the suffrage movement or or, or anything <laughs> like that. It, it's an action film that he's cast uh, six women to play these these parts. It, yeah, it's his film. Right, so he and it's a smart move both for ticket sales and I think a cool move for what it's doing for representation in film. I agree. I so agree with you. All don't of that. really think he should say, "Well, I'm not qualified no. to direct this because I have a penis." No, and this is maybe the difference between the the sort of the specifics of a given case and a broader issue yeah. of representation that's not just about who's in front of the camera, but it's also about who's behind the camera. Yeah. And I think this is a, um, an error that we all make often is that we feel like if we have more women and people of color in front of the camera, then it's all good. But we also have to pay attention to the paths to those careers that Neil Marshall has that also allow for other voices to tell those same stories. You know, Catherine Bigelow, for example, can tell male-driven action movies like uh, Hurt Locker. Yeah. Right? And uh, and that's cool, right? We get a, a different perspective on a movie we've seen a thousand times, and it ends up, you know, winning Oscars. Yeah. Because, because we got a different perspective. And you could say the same. Well, so Neil Marshall is a different perspective on the all-female action movie, I suppose. There's some logic to that, too. So, no, I'm not... I'm not necessarily sort of throwing this movie under the bus for this reason but i can't deny i'm just being honest that that i can't tell if my problem with what i felt were thinly drawn characters except for sarah um were was a product of my own sort of misgivings about a a male writer director with an all-female cast or just he didn't do a good enough job Right, so I'm just trying to be honest about. what I'm not sure. Uh, it could be my own prejudice. I can tell you reading it that way. I can tell you you're <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm not wrong. Like I'm not wrong in my perception. Like you could disagree with me and have a different perception. Oh, what I can but... see is like I can tell you that they're not thinly drawn. That you just fooled yourself into thinking they were because a man was behind the camera. It's totally possible. That's what I'm saying. I, I can't. I can't tell. I don't know. But I, I hear you, and I think I think you're right. And this is an important thing, probably as a cool kind of sidebar of you and I, both white 
heterosexual men uh, uh, f- who make films that it, as it's not an, it's not just doing representation in in your actors. Uh, but it is like, how do you bring other people to tell their stories, not you telling more of their stories, whoever they is. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, right. And that, and that includes not just the writer director, but the cinematographer, which I, I know you've worked hard to bring that kind of diversity to your sets. Um, the editor, I mean, the, the cinematographer, the editor, I mean, these folks have as much input oh, yeah. in some ways to shaping the story as the writer or the director. So the you know, it's important to not to just think about the gender identity or the ethnic identity of the the marquee name, but diversity has to sort of, and I don't know what the, the makeup of the crew on The Descent was. I, t- I just yeah. took a quick look. It was pretty male-y. <laughs> pretty, I gotta say, I was like, well, maybe I'll get Russell here. I'm like, well, that's a lot of men. <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, and I will names. say to the film's credit, and, and, I, and I said this about, you know, Martyrs, which has the same quote unquote problem, um, it, it, it didn't, ex- I didn't feel it exploited um, the women in this. There's a lot of ways that the camera could have totally lingered on their bodies. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's always male gaze. That's just a, a fact of how we perceive film. But uh, even those glamour shots, I had to check myself and recognize that you see the same kind of shot in Michael Bay movies of Timothy Oliphant or Shia yeah. LaBeouf. Like yeah. it's it it didn't feel sexualized to me necessarily, and there were plenty of opportunities that you could have you know, had these things rip off their clothes or or attack them in a way that was overtly sexual because most of these creatures seem to be male because they do make a distinction. They, yeah. There is one male, female, female yeah. crawler. Um, so I, I I recognize that they were at least at least conscious of 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 that. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily demonizing, uh, you know, the whole project is sexist, but I can't deny that it's a, it's a thing there that's worthy of discussion. Even if I don't have a fully formed or even well, uh, worded response. Well, I, I think overall, I think you're, you're, you're you've got a couple of good points inside, <laughs> like a, like a whole stew of crap. Uh, it's like I'm picking out the corn cause I'm starving out of your turds. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the horror. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, well, let, let's talk about. Do you have a, a favorite moment? Um, yeah, I I do think the the car crash scene mm. that was very well shot. It was very affecting. Um, I thought I had I actually replayed it a few times. Um, partly out of I I got to see that again, uh, and partly out of just curiosity as a filmmaker wanting to see like frame by frame how they made that work so, so well. I was also, honestly, as much as it was my favorite shot, uh, I was confused. I wasn't sure who, partly, part two is, is uh, we're in, we're in England. So I got confused about which side the driver was on. <laughs> so like wh- who, wh- who died? That was confusing to me. So when she wakes up in the hospital, I was like, wait, is she dead? Uh, was that a dream? Yeah, the whole, oh, no. the whole thing she's dead. <laughs> well, I was a little worried about <laughs> about that, um, but overall, still, I, I like that scene. Okay, that's a really good one. Um, I, 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 you know, it's funny. It's like I, I was trying to. I really like this film, and I was just trying to think of something I didn't like. Uh, and there's only this. I don't know. I got two little ones. I'm not wild about how they eat that apple. And then <laughs> wait, wait, what? There's an apple. You know, they eat that apple in one scene. 
and then and then she vomits right right as she's escaping. I don't like seeing vomit too much. Really? You know, if we're going to do this segment, you have to be intellectually honest. There has to be a scene that you felt I, could have been better. I, uh, I just... Come on, those opening scenes of them at the cabin was just silly filler. Surely... I know, I don't agree. When they drink a lot, I mean, they do drink quite a lot. I was like, gosh, I wouldn't drink that much. Going right before... Going down to face face those crazy people. <laughs> okay. All oh, right. All right, all right. I can try and give you something better uh, then. Um, the the um, so I I do like the character who's the the young go gung ho. Um, Holly. Holly. Yeah, the young yeah. gung ho. I'm gonna do everything, and she's an adventurer. And I like that her arc just sort of leads her to this crazy place. But there is that one sequence where she's like, "Light, light, light! I'm gonna go! I've gotta go!" And she starts going crazy, and that's when she breaks her leg, right? And they're like, no, this wasn't light. It was uh, just growth and everything. And that's what it happens. And that, I was a little bit like, um, you know, they were telling her to stop, stop, stop. I, mean, I, I kind of didn't quite buy that she was that, she, she would fall that quickly to, to totally losing her perspective. Um, that's all. I mean, that's not a very good one, but. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I hear that. I, then, I agree. Obviously I agree. But, uh, but even there, I kind of felt. Like, yeah, you could have done that in a way where she still falls and breaks her leg without being kind of so stupid about it. Yeah. And, um, and that actually when she hasn't demonstrated that kind of stupidity before. Right. And that that's the only one in some ways that I, I would say, oh, maybe that's what Russell's talking about, actually, with thinly veiled characters. Because in, uh, in all honesty, what I do think is having six characters doing doing service to six characters uh, it, and having them be distinct from each other and have at least a little bit of an arc is done actually really well. Uh, and I think like Juno for being a character who, who could be more thinly drawn uh, is actually ends up being kind of more complicated uh, than, than needed to be. I mean, I think in a really good way. Um, so, so, but her, that character is like, okay, we see her arc and maybe that is a little bit being telegraphed and maybe, maybe Holly's story is a little bit, uh, a little bit by the numbers. Okay, so um, next time, do you have a- next time? Yes. So I, you know, I was kind of actually thinking of a few ones. I always am, right? Uh, like, what would be kind of an interesting one to to watch next? Maybe we should go. We haven't yet dive, dove into the uh, the classics, Universal films of the nineteen thirties, which you know I love, and I, I think you're willing to watch those. But I was also even on this conversation. I was like, we we actually haven't yet done a film that was directed by a, a woman. Uh, and I was like, well, we should be doing that. And then you mentioned the woman actually I had in mind, Catherine Bigelow. Oh, oh okay. Do you know Catherine, the Catherine Bigelow film I'm talking about? No. Near Dark. Don't know it. You don't know Near Dark? No. You never heard of Near Dark? I don't think so. Huh. Maybe the, the title sounds familiar, but maybe it's just because it's a good title. So it sounds like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. You probably say it sometimes like when, uh, hey honey. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a little happy time, and she. <laughs> Keep going. Go ahead. Speaking of digging a hole, <laughs> she said maybe, maybe when it's near dark. <laughs> I don't know. And that's uh, the horror. 
Uh, thanks so much, Owen, for uh, subjecting me to the descent. You're I welcome. I feel like I descended into yet another entry of bad filmmaking. Oh, boy. Under the title of horror. Uh, I look forward to seeing... Actually, I look forward to some seeing what Catherine Bigelow can do for this genre. Surely, she's going to fit into the pantheon of Kubrick and Freakin. It's not uh, that kind of movie! Oh, shit. <laughs> it's a vampire right. movie. It's, you're going to love it. Okay. Till next time. Bye.